<laughs> My name is Rick Whitney. I'm uh, honored to have a chance to speak with you all this morning. Talk about um, parenting, what a Christian family looks like. I'm from Kansas, Manhattan, Kansas, home of Kansas State University. <laughs> yeah, football powerhouse. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Boy, it's really good to be here. I, I love this place that you guys have built and remodeled, and I like this neighborhood. My, I, I've been gone four years and driving around, Neva and I, Neva, you're here, and just driving around this Highlands area. Wow, this is a boom area. But not just with real estate and houses, just lots of families and, and strollers and people walking around. And goodness gracious, good place to do business. I'm a. I'm thrilled to be back here with you just for this weekend to be at that parenting seminar just for a few hours with some of the couples and then uh, this morning. David, that was your boy, right? Yeah. I like what he said. Did you all hear what the boy yelled out? You did well, Dad. You're doing good, Dad, or something like that. Oh, that's the kind of, that's the kind of kids I need, man. <laughs> Do I have a child in the room? <laughs> Gracie, where are you? I don't know. I want to hear more of that love here. <laughs> You did well, Dad. Wow, that, did you pay him to do that? <laughs> He's been coaching all week. God bless you, David. <clears throat> What's his name? Noah. Noah. What a blessing. <laughs> you did well, Dad. Man, if, this, if we're t- going to kick off this series on the family, Christian family, what a uh, what a marriage and kids and the whole thing, this whole thing called a... Uh, it's, it's almost like an island in our culture. You know, we just have these pockets of Christianity all over the islands area, all over Denver. There are a lot of people that know Christ in this town. But we're still surrounded by the Indians, <laughs> surrounded by the culture. And uh, it's so encouraging to have, um, uh, have a chance to talk about this topic. I, I hope you're deeply, deeply uh, blessed in your heart at the end of this half hour and more encouraged that we're on the right track. We're trying to build our marriages and build our families, and it's the only game in town that counts. I am um, thinking of football. <laughs> um, Mac Brown, you all know who Mac Brown was? Or is? Is UT. Wow, we got a Texas grad here? Or somebody from Texas? And You know, a couple years ago they won the national championship. I always remember this, because right after they won the national championship, that's a big deal. It's a big deal for Mac Brown as a coach, big deal for the UT program. It's a big deal. One of our students at Kansas State said, Rick, we're going to win the national championship this year. I go... Wow, I want to believe. Help my unbelief. <laughs> you know, I'm just having trouble. Kansas State National Champions. It may happen. Who knows? But UT won it. And when they won it, they, they, you know, they're all going crazy. And they, that's when Vince Young was the quarterback. And they went into the locker room. And Mac Brown gathered them all around. His big squad. And he gathered them all around. And these are the very first words out of his mouth. Guess what he said? Guess what he said? When I'm talking about how a Christian marriage and a Christian family is the only game in town that counts, I get, I get backing from Mac Brown. <laughs> he gathered up all those kids. They're just going crazy. You know, they just won it all. And he said, don't let this day be the best day of your life. You go on and be fathers and husbands and do good for your family. That's what he said. <laughs> don't let this be the best day of your life. You go on, and I'm going, hey, coach, come here. He said, no, listen, there's bigger issues up ahead. And if you're here at the firehouse, maybe for the first time you're a visitor, maybe you've just been here the last few weeks, maybe you've been around for 20, 30 years, 
Like even I. My goodness, I don't know if we have that photo. Uh, brother, could you put up that photo? We, I've shown this yesterday and Friday night. I don't know if you can pull it up, but man, I've been around forever. And that, that's proof right there. I mean, this is just my tribe. It's a huge tribe. And... And I'm the oldest guy there. I um, I decided to shave off my mustache just to try to gain a few years. Then I thought, well, I'll go back and um, go team Fu Manchu like Rich. But it didn't work, Rich. Mine is all gray. And <laughs> but this blesses my heart. It says in, um, I'll just read it. <clears throat> you don't need to turn, but in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 24, in the living it goes like this. The father of godly children has cause for joy. What a pleasure to have children who are wise. There's an old Italian proverb. It's not a Bible proverb. It's an Italian proverb. Better for you to cry now than for me to cry later. This is a dad talking to his kids. And when I'm talking about being a family and a Christian family and to follow the precepts and principles of this book, uh, it is the only game in town. And it works. And God gave us a manual that wins and works. And it's, it's, it's blood and guts and it's challenging and there's all kinds of issues and setbacks. And, and you know, you show up at a wedding, everybody's all scrubbed up. Even the, even all the heathen down low, all these little people, you know, they, they all look sober and in their right mind. And, and they're not. You know, they're, they're out of, I mean, so it all looks nice. Um, but there are all kinds of issues in every Christian family. And in this family, all kinds of challenges and problems and everything. But I'm convinced that Neva and I gave our best shot to the best game in town. And I have cause for great joy, just as a granddad. I've got 14, 15 grandkids right now. And I'm glad that we invested our life. I'm 60 years old. We invested some of the best years of our life, and I, I think there's all kinds of glory up ahead, and I'm looking forward to the 60s and 70s. But, you know, the Bible says, look, you got 70 years. If great strength, 80. Now, there's a lot of folks in this room that are thinking they're going to be 120. I got news for you. You ain't going to be 120. <laughs> and you might have some crazy story on the, the Today Show saying, wow, they found this guy and he's 107 and everything else. But by and large, the Bible's still true. A lot of folks live to be 70, maybe 80. Okay, I'm, I'm 60 years old. I don't want to have a downer here right off the bat, but I've got, I've got 10 years left. You say, oh, Rick, you're going to live a lot longer than that. I'm not sure this morning. I'm, I'm really sick. <laughs> Here's the truth of the matter. For the last 20, 30 years, this is the best thing I've ever done. The best thing I've ever done. The best thing Neva and I have ever done together, my wife and I. It's worth your best shot. If you've got young kids and you're just getting going, I appreciate this series. What, next week you're going to talk about moms? Christian moms and Christian fathers and Christian singles and just how to live this Christian life no matter what our demographic is. Well, I have the opportunity to talk about family and marriage and kids. And it is, it is worth your best shot and it is glory. And, and I'm not naive. I'm not saying, like I said, the pictures look nice. And you say, yeah, but is that reality? No, well, of course it's not reality. <laughs> uh, for 10 seconds on a wedding, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of issues and work and problems and sniffles and colds and setbacks and heartache and anger and frustration and kids mouthing off and parents getting anxious and worried and all these things. But all under 
God. We're not the cleavers, you know. It's not <laughs> leave it to Beaver, perfect family. So that really dated me, didn't it? <laughs> I can't find a. Uh, we're not the Simpsons, you know. We're not, you can't find a decent Christian. Set. You can't find any kind of family in TV. Name one good, normal mom, dad, kids living together, navigating life, and uh, and it's celebrated on TV. I can't think of one. Used to be maybe the Cosbys years ago, and you can't think of one today, can you? I, um, but even in those kind of good situations, what makes it fun and makes it humorous and challenging is you wrap away the layers and find out, wow, there's all kinds of life going on here, all kinds of challenges and heartache and everything. But which game am I going to play? Am I going to be involved in the struggle to build a marriage and a family based on the principles of this book? And am I going to be dogged in it and hold on to it and say, Lord, you gave me the way of life. I'm going to hold on to it. I don't care how many setbacks Moses said to the people of God, Behold, I have set before you. At the end of Moses' life, he said, Behold, I have set before you life. Life and death. <laughs> and just must they <laughs> miss the choice, choose life. <laughs> if they're a little slow. <laughs> and they were. He says, choose life. Choose the way I've set before. You know what Christians were called before they were called Christians? In the book of Acts? Remember that? I'll never forget that. Never forget that. They were members and followers of the way. It's a way of life that Christ calls us to. And then later on in the book of Acts, halfway through it, whatever, it says at this time they, were, they began to be called Christians. I wish we were still called followers of the way. There's a way of life written out here in this book about how men and women ought to marry and live together. How they ought to raise children. There's a way of life found here. And, and our culture comes in and says, you know, there's many ways. And you've just chosen one. It may be right. It may not be right. In fact, you should not ever say that you have the only way. You can believe anything you want to in this country, anything you want to in this country, except what we hold in this room. Because we believe we're followers of the way. The way. He is the way, the truth, the life. And you can believe anything you want in this country, but don't you dare say to our culture or to our neighbors, you know, Christ is the way. And he's the reason why my wife still loves me. He's the reason why my kids still love me and I love them. He's the reason why we're working together. He is the glue. He's the person that changed our whole life around. And there's no other one like him. Those are hostile words in our culture. You and I have to hold on to it. Hell, hold on to those words, those convictions, those beliefs. Not with arrogance, not with anger. We need to be compassionate with our neighbors. But deep down in our heart, we look in the mirror, you're driving to work, you better stop and always end this sentence, I am following the leader of the way. And he's the bishop of my soul. And he's the one I'll have to deal with forever and ever and ever. And this is the only game that counts. We're involved in an incredible election season, and I, I don't know who will be elected, and I follow the debate like you do, and, we've, and we're getting all these ads and this and that and everything else. Um, this election will occur, and it will be done, and then what? And then maybe the Lord will give us how long? 
and years go by and our economy goes like this and goes like that and goes like this and, goes, and our culture goes like this and that and sometimes it just seems like our culture just going one direction like this. What will we do and how will we live beyond the economy, beyond our culture, beyond entertainment, beyond uh, the years going by and kids getting older? I, had, I must enlist these children in a cause that goes way beyond uh, the Whitney wedding of Jessica and Javier last February. Yeah, okay. And, and the next family reunion there. There had to be something that caught our attention that went beyond each other. And that is the way that Christ gave us. We've tried to give it to our kids. Would you all bow your heads and shut your eyes? I just want to pray a little bit and, and just share just a thought or two here. Lord, we do thank you. Uh, for a chance to share from your word and look into your scriptures. I am very convinced, Lord, that uh, this book is doable. You said, prove yourselves doers of the word. And when it comes to marriage and kids and family, uh, you laid out a a program, a plan, uh, some principle, guidance, sideboards. You, You made it very clear in the book of Proverbs from way back in the Old Testament all the way through Ephesians in the New Testament. When you yourself spoke and walked on this earth, I think of how children came to you, how you spoke about marriage and family. You spoke about, Lord, we look to you to help us here this morning and guide us. We believe that there's answers here in this book. Um, And we need to hold on to these answers you've given us. If I'm reminding some here in this room of things they know, Lord, it's no bother to me. I'll remind them. If it's new, if some have wondered, ever wondered in their heart of hearts, will this all turn out? And will, will it really work in my life, in my marriage, with my family? Lord, I pray by your Spirit you convince every soul in this room, every mom, every dad, that it can work out, it will work out, and you'll promise to walk with them every step of the way. You didn't set before us a a game of chance. You set before us the way of life, and you command us to choose it. Lord, help us to do this. Even now, help us to listen very carefully. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'd like to read to you from uh, um, the Providence Journal in Rhode Island a, a column from several years ago. This is found on a website we put together. Several, I, I didn't put the website together. I just wrote some of the articles. Jay Yowsing put together the website and said, Rick, why don't you throw it up? And there's 150 articles aimed at dads, aimed at fathers, aimed at parents. And one article, article number 15, <clears throat> from a few years ago, is by a columnist named Mark Patinkin. Mark Patinkin, and he's and the title of his um, column, his his musings that week was uh, the price fathers pay, and this is how he starts off. This is what I'd like to read to you. I think it'll encourage you. This is what Mark said. He's a friend I don't get to see very often, but I was in his town not long ago and went over for dinner. It should have been the best of times for him. A year before. This buddy of mine, he'd gotten a major promotion, a big job. We're the same age, 39, going on 40. So I had understood what something like that means. To a man approaching 40, matters of career become terribly serious. You begin to think that this decade is your last, best shot. And my buddy had made it. And my buddy had made it. Very big job, very big pay, big promotions, but he was down, a little torn. The hours were relentless. 
he said, and the travel constant. That would have been fine when he was single, but he basically lost a year with his kids this last year. And the pressure promised to get worse, so he's thinking of giving it up, or at least choosing a slower track with this company. Hard choice, I said. Hard choice for you, I'm sure. At that, his children happened to run into the room. He got off the couch, wrestled around with them for a few minutes down the floor. They sped back off. He sat back down. No, he said, easy choice. I've got five, six, maybe eight good years left with them. And then they're gone. Game over. Easy choice. And then the columnist Mark goes on and says, I'm going through that post-40 male phase myself. It's different from a midlife crisis. Uh, wanting a career change. I'm just wondering about my life. He was wondering. His buddy wasn't wondering anymore. I don't know about their faith. As I read this column, I'm, I'm not really concerned about their faith. What I'm concerned about here in this conversation between two dads is what they were chewing on and how one was answering. A lot of Christian fathers, they want to improve their life. They want to improve their lower their anxieties, improve their circumstances. A lot of Christian men I've bumped into and hang out with and love and serve right alongside for the last 40 years in all of our churches. I know that this is true. A lot of Christian men that I hang out with, we want to lower the anxiety and improve our circumstances, but we're not willing to really make the hard choices. Sometimes even the lost make these hard choices. Brother, and I want to talk to you men especially, choose the narrow way. Choose to follow God. Choose to be devoted to your wife and children. And regardless of, you know, God, you know I, I recognize in the church there are all kinds of scrambled eggs. You know what I mean by scrambled eggs? I mean, we're, our lives are scrambled eggs. Our relationships are scrambled eggs. We come to Christ as, as scrambled eggs. I know that. So does the Lord. So does the Lord. He knows that. He knows what relationships that have been broken and reformed and built. And, and He knows how sometimes in our life we look back and we think it's just a ping pong ball bouncing around. But if you know Christ as your Savior, you have to stop and say, Lord, you have brought me to this point in my life. And you have the future all laid out. And you want me to choose that narrow way with zeal and confidence and trust right now. I can't re. I can't. <coughs> excuse me while I choke here. <laughs> but I, I can't rebuild the last. I can't rebuild 60 years. God asked me to choose to follow Him as a grandfather and husband and father today, as a Christian male. Lord wants me to really be committed to His ways. And I've been really serious ever since, um, actually in the last three or four months especially, I've had opportunities to speak and travel some and be with some of our brothers in different churches. And I have been just pleading with men. I was at a, um, in Hastings, Minnesota a few weeks ago outside of the Twin Cities, outside of St. Paul. One of the members of the Lakeville Church owns a farm there and, and he's on the edge of town. And, and every fall all their men gathered together and they rented a big top tent, great big tent, and they put sawdust all over and they were camping out around this tent and they had a barbecue and it was cold, just like this morning in uh, pancakes in the morning. A hundred men, a lot of sons, a lot of their kids, they're all here, piled into this tent. We had warmers, you know, just uh, heaters throughout this tent and we're all standing around there. And then and there, in the front we had a, a saddle rack that would hold a saddle. 
without the saddle. And we were supposed to use it like a podium. And I said, my goodness, where is the saddle? And so we went and grabbed the saddle and put a slanted up on top. I gave him a quick two-minute overview of saddles. <clears throat> I know a lot about saddles <laughs> and horses and cattle. And, and then we got into it and I said, brothers, please believe this. Believe this with me. I don't care what your boss is saying, what your TV say, is saying, what our culture is saying to you. God is saying this. You and I must choose as men, with all the vigor that we have as men, we need to choose to follow our Savior in this perishing world, among these perishing people, and be a light and salt and seek to influence our neighbors. Have you ever, you know, I I used to do this. I used to pray for a better class of unbelievers. Did you ever wish for that? I said, let it be nice if I hung out with better unbelievers. <laughs> I wish these unbelievers weren't so broken. <laughs> you ever catch yourself doing that? Well, you know, it's kind of a messy world, and my messy cul-de-sac, and my neighbor, and I bought a house on the east side of um, <clears throat> Manhattan four years ago. We've been out there four years. Left this church, and, I, and headed to Kansas State University with Joy and a few others, and my wife, and and Pat and Cindy and, and so we bought this house on the edge of town and and I look at my neighbors there and I got to know them all first neighbor I shook his hand uh, Lee we were out mowing grass and um, bought the house I thought I'd just mow my grass you know and and, uh, and uh, Lee's riding on his mow he comes off we started talking and laughing because he had an ag background and we are just kind of carrying on and, and we're having a good time I thought wow this would be kind of fun to get to know Lee and what's your wife's name? Anita. Okay, good. And and he's a little a little younger than me, but not uh, not 18 years old. <laughs> He'd been an MP in the military and 20 years in the army, et cetera, et cetera. And then he said, "Rick, what do you do?" And I said, oh, "Well, I I'm here to help start a church. I've uh, been involved in church work for my whole life ever since I left the farm." And you know what he did? He went like this. Whoa. This is physically what he did. Whoa. And he, he didn't do the sign of the cross. <laughs> but he goes, whoa, uh, there's a big, whoa, Rick. I said, whoa. And he goes, yeah, between me and God, there's this huge medium. And uh, I'm on one side on the interstate and he's on the other. And I, I don't really have no time. And, and bam, he just shut down. <laughs> and I go, okay. And then um, I'm talking to another neighbor, um, and he's older than I am, which is really old. And he's like, he's seven years old. We're out walking and talking one evening. He just walked down. He's kind of, he helped build the house I'm in. And he was uh, asking me uh, a few things. We were talking. His name is Bernard. And we go out for a walk a couple of evenings. He's starting to complain about his health and this man. He started sharing with me about his health. And he'd had a heart surgery done here. And so he grabs his shirt and he goes, see that? And it's a big old scar. You know, I go, yeah, Bernard, wow. Yeah, I got a pacemaker and everything. And, oh, wow. I kind of filed that away, you know. And we're, a few weeks later, we're out walking. It was hot. And um, he goes, oh. And he goes like this, oh. And I'm standing right by him. And, and I knew if he dies, his wife's going to kill me. You know, and I grab Bernard. Whoa, whoa. And, and I go, Bernard, Bernard. And he goes, I'm dying, Rick. I said, you know what I said to him? I held him up. I said, Bernard, we're all dying, but not tonight. <laughs> Stand up here. And uh, at which point, when his medical, when his heart kicked in, he had it hooked up so that um, via like a cell phone, I mean, it just boom, it hit him. But 
because his heart was kind of quivering, so it kind of jolted him. That's what they do, these things. But it also sent a signal out. And within three, four minutes, we had like a medical convention on that road. <laughs> I had two ambulances show up and a policeman and a fire, and his wife comes hauling down the road and everybody, because we'd been walking a little bit, and I go, oh my. And, uh, and, she, and Sue looks at me, what did you do to my husband? I said, nothing. And, and okay, I, I just want to move along here a little bit. A few weeks later, Bernard prays to receive Christ in my living room. Uh, a few months later, Lee, who said, whoa, he's, oh, he's out of the cookout. This took a year or so. The only thing I was doing was praying with my wife. I kept trying to befriend Lee and Anita, and it was just very challenging. But we'd have them over, and they'd come over. They'd never invite us over, but we'd just keep inviting them over. And then and over time, I'm sitting on the carport in front of our um, garage, and Neva's in the house with Anita, and he turns to me, and just, just it ha- took over a year and a half, he turns to me and says, Rick, I want to tell you something. He just started sh- sharing about his, what he thought of God, and what God he thought God had done to him, and all these issues with his family and his parents and everything, just opening up. And I say that, I say, share these stories, you know, because I'm thinking about my little cul-de-sac there, and I'm thinking, you know, I, I wish I had a better class of unbelievers. <laughs> I wish I had people that would just all get excited right away, and they walked into the church, and they were kind of a nice nuclear situation, and here's the husband and wife, and everybody's organized, and all the kids are organized, and everybody's civil and sober and in their right mind, and I wish that that was the way it was. It is not that way. It has never been that way in the church of God. It wasn't that way in Corinth. We're looking at Corinth in our church this fall, and several of the brothers were just working through the scriptures, and and my goodness, was not only Corinth, uh, Las Vegas, Amsterdam, wicked situation, it had seeped right into that little fellowship of 300. And that little fellowship of 300, they were involved in lawsuits and drunkenness and immorality, and, and they were involved in cliquish behavior, they had bad theology, they were always comparing, and they didn't understand a lot of things, and they were gluttons, and that was that quote little church church has never been a place where the cleavers are happy the church is always made up of people that are sinners saved by grace and then he begins to transform if you have walked with God and I'm looking around the room I, I see folks that I know and I've known for decades and if you've walked with God for 20 and 30 years and you're the few here in this room I want to say to you You hang on to your convictions with all your might. This is the only game that counts. If you're new, new to faith, new to firehouse, new to uh, trying to figure this whole thing out, you're maybe just young in your life, you know, young in your marriage, young with your family. And if you entertain doubts and questions and you're wondering, will it work out? Will it work out, Rick? Are you just, is this just smoke? Are you just trying to pep me up here for 25 minutes, a half hour, and then we all take off? Listen, I, I say this with all my heart and all my convictions. God's ways work. And no matter what our background, no matter what our world is like and the people we hang out with, those are the people God has called us to, to share this message of life with. It's centered in a man, Jesus Christ. And he has the answers, and he sees us and knows us, and he knows all of our weaknesses, and he knows all of our neighbors' weaknesses, and he cares about us, and cares about our neighbors. It's the right journey, it's the right path to be on.
a narrow one, but the right path. Never ever doubt that. Please never doubt that. Let me um, let me just. <clears throat> I, have, I have three thoughts. I just want to just pass on to you. Just add into this. Um, <clears throat> you, you need to be convinced that Christ has the answers. That this book works. When He says, "Be doers of the word, not hearers only," well, He means it. That we can take this book and weave it into our soul and it'll transform our work it'll transform our life it'll transform our relationships if you believe that there are a few things that I just want to just share with you that you've you got to hang on to and add to that in our families in our marriages with our children number one and, and if, you know if, if I'm going to talk about parenting here a little bit uh, I'll, I'll call it this parenting before the cement sets up because the cement does set up, and we need to take advantage of these days when we have kids. Those kids, wherever they went, <laughs> uh, were once little people. And, um, and if, you, um, if you believe that this is the way of life, this Christian message, this Christ who's in us, who's transforming our life, you believe that he is the answer. There are a few things I just want to pass on to you. Number one, you've got to believe you can train your children. And you can build in your marriage. You just got to believe that. Fundamentally, you just got to believe you can train and shape your children and shape each other. That training can be accomplished. That lives can be changed. He meets us where we're at. He meets us where we're at. That's a given. And then he takes us and he coaches us. And, And we have to believe that we can turn around and God can train us and we can train each other. We can train our marriages, train our children. And the reason you say, well, that's kind of like a duh thing, isn't it, Rick? I mean, duh. <laughs> but a lot of folks doubt that. A lot of folks have real questions about that. They go, you know, I've tried, I've tried to train myself, much less train my children. I know how weak I am as a father and a mother. My goodness, how can I train these kids? You've got to believe you can train them. You genuinely can genuinely train them. There's, uh, let me read a verse real quick. I'm going to turn to Luke chapter 6. <clears throat> verse 40. <clears throat> a student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. The verse applies to parenting. Because the first student that God deals with is you and I as parents. We're the big people, the little people in the next room. <laughs> and, um, and I don't want to get around this. I, I want you to know that the biggest issue that you're going to have to deal with as a parent is yourself. And believing that God can train you and that you can, train, you can discipline yourself, that God can help you change. Because you can't really give it to the kids apart from changing your life. So if you're going to believe that um, you can train, you need to first of all believe that God can discipline and train and build up in your life. Change your habits, change your life as, as uh, big people. I hope you do. I really hope you do. Number two, your daily routines. In a Christian family, in a Christian household, the daily routines have to be solid. Have to be solid. They're simple, they're routines, but they have to be solid. Meals. Bedtime, getting up in the morning, household chores, whether the children are four years old or 14, no matter where the age is or that, you have to have daily routines that are solid. Solid. 
and you've got to believe that they can be accomplished. <clears throat> I, um, I was watching, I, I shared this the other night, and if you park your car, if your wife ever wants to run into Walmart, uh, real quick, and you say, not sure, I need to go into Walmart today, honey, but I'll be happy to wait right here in the car or in the pickup, whatever. And, um, and I'll just wait right here, and you just go ahead, babe, and I'll just work the phone or be on, or open up my Bible. I've done that many, many times. It's the best slice of America you can ever see. <laughs> it's all of America in all its glory and all its craziness walking in and out of Walmart. <laughs> and it's how people are. It's who they are. It's how they're dressed. It's how they act. It's how they walk and talk. You, you see relationships. You see brokenness. You see life. You see humor. It's a zoo. <laughs> and, and it's the best place to be. If you're sitting in front of some upscale, what's, the, what's that real nice mall here in Denver? On the, kind of, I'm pointing out to this. Yeah, park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not reality. We just go there to see what it's like, then we go back to Walmart because <laughs> that's where we're at. You know, whether we believe it or not, we all think we're a little bit better than Walmart. We're really not. <clears throat> that's what America's all about. <clears throat> it's what I'm all about. And so I sit in my truck and I'm watching, and it's just one joke and one situation and one wonderful opportunity, and then one. You go, wow, that's that's beautiful. Ooh, that's really, that's really not beautiful. <laughs> that's really ugly. <laughs> Back and forth. And you just watch this all going on. You've got to believe you can train and that God can train us. And you've got to have solid daily routines. And they're reflected right there in Walmart. <clears throat> I'm watching a mom. She's pushing the cart. And she's pulling a cart right behind her. Both carts are loaded down. And so she, you know, she's got like hands of steel because <laughs> there's a bag of dog chow in the front one and whatever. She's got cases of soda in the back. She's pushing one and pulling one and she's going out the door and she's going right in front of me and I'm thinking, well, I'll get out and help. Well, no, maybe those five teenagers should help. <laughs> and all five teenagers are following mom and they're carrying on smacking each, you know, you know how you punch each other in the shoulder, bam, and, and the two girls are kind of laughing and, and the three boys are all jockeying for position and, and mom, she's pushing along here <laughs> and the kids are just, they're heading to this van and then she stops and she pulls out her wallet and hits the, um, the door lock. And the back door, uh, the back, um, what is it, tailgate goes up, and the doors open up. And I think, okay, now they'll help. No. She gets closer and closer, and all the kids pile in. And then she unloads both, both uh, cards. And I'm thinking, oh boy. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh boy. The next mom goes by, and you just see these things. I mean, you just see it. And she's pushing her cart, and the little boy is gnawing on mom's knuckles. <laughs> you know? <laughs> she's got her, and she's just grimacing and pushing away. And Oh, my. We can train those teens, and we can train those babies. If mom and dad believe that they can change. And Christ is the one who changes us. That's not right. And I don't really care about nod knuckles, and I don't care about some mom pushing a Walmart cart and unloading anything. What I care about is the disaster I see in both situations. <laughs> and I think of all the heartache back behind it all. We live in a very, you know, we, we're all worried about our economy and everything else, but my goodness, we live in a wealthy, wealthy, wealthy country. 
when we were in Southside and Parker, we would knock on doors um, there with that church plant, and, and every home there in that Parker area was over $300,000 plus home, and most of the homes were empty. Or a dog, a little dog yapping, you know, and nobody would come to the door. I mean, it was just this incredible. I mean, we live. Um, I want to encourage us. Number one, you got to believe you can train. Number two, you got to have solid daily routines, and God can really change all those things. We talked about this the last few days here with uh, our parenting seminar, and I have a, a video series just talking about daily routines. You know, simple things to make life better. God can really change it all. I won't get into it right now. I, um, I, I forgot, though, last night to share my one secret to parenting when kids are fighting. I, I, some of you were here yesterday, Friday. I'll just mention it again. By the way, when kids are fighting and you're just not sure what to do, this always works. This is what I would do. I would say, you know, every time you fight, a puppy dies. <laughs> That's what I'd say. That always works. You might write that down. I forgot that. <laughs> Every time we find a puppy dog. Number three. <laughs> the third area, you got to believe you can train. Number two, you got to believe that daily routines can be established in your home. I don't care how crazy your home is, whether it's like the teenagers, whether it's like the baby uh, chewing on mom's knuckles, you can build godly daily routines in your home. We talked about that yesterday. And I can talk to you about it later here. But the third area, you can't afford to let the months go by with no outward progress. You can't afford to let these days just whip by with no progress. God wants to change things and cause progress. If there's needs in your marriage, the answers are here. And you and I need to choose his answer. We want to change our circumstances, but we don't want to change our behavior. The way these promises and principles and blessings are realized in a Christian family, in a Christian home, is when they take these things, these principles, and they incorporate it into their life. And they don't sit around and wait... Uh, maybe in three months or six months, or maybe when I finally get the change in my job and I get a promotion or uh, this or that, or maybe when I finally I, I don't have to travel or this or that, then the kids get a little bit older and then they're not two anymore and then they're six, then we'll have a Christian family. Right now they're two. It's impossible or whatever it is. We're always delaying and putting off change. And God wants us to really uh, embrace it today. Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Today, you and I can grab a hold of things here and weave it into our life, into our language, and it can be a blessing to our mate and to our children. But we have to choose. We have to choose. We must choose. We talked about simple things that can be chosen. If you're going to be a teacher to our children, then we have to have certain habits. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But if you want to build a Christian family... Are you and I reading God's Word every day? Are we reading God's Word and writing something down? And I'm going to, I don't want to, I don't want to get off here a little bit, but uh, Bill Hybels, he built uh, by God's grace and through the grace of God with a team, they built a big church in Chicago called Willow Creek. And they had a ton of programming. Lots and lots and lots and lots of programming. All kinds of small groups and seminars and ministries and everything else. And, and he'd been at it. And the church really grew. But he kept looking at the, 
at the fruit and the and the soul development of his church with thousands of people and he was concerned as a pastor and he said I'm not really we have a certain group in this church that are what I would count real followers of the way real disciples they're, there's life change and they're and they're winning by God's grace what are the things in that group in our church that minority in our church what are the things that made them that way and he, he decided, after a lot of in-house evaluation, that the only thing, the only thing that made his workers, his disciples, unique was if they read the Bible at least four times a week. If they read the Bible once a week, twice a week, they were part of that big majority in this church. They said, well, I read the Bible once in a while. But there was no real change. It wasn't change. It wasn't change. And they looked at all their programming and all their seminars. They said, you know, what's the difference here? We, we count these as our faithful workers in our Willow Creek Church. And the one common denominator is they're reading their Bibles almost four or five times a week. Not even seven. But they moved beyond once in a while cracking the book. They were, it was the majority in their week. Four times. And he said, my whole goal the next five years with our Willow Creek Church is to help move our whole church to reading their Bible at least four times a week. He says, because that will transform lives. And I believe that. That's one habit I gave to all seven of my kids before they went off to college. They read their Bible every day and they wrote something down every day. The only way I gave it to them is because I did it. No teacher will be above his children on that. And then God speaks to them. If we want to unlock the blessings of God in our families, we've got to believe that God can train us and train our children. Number two, we need to... Daily routines have to be solid. It's the daily routines that build soul and build character. Meals, bedtimes, how we interact with each other. It's... Families, you know what? Families have real uh, wonderful moments where, you know, and Facebook proves this out. You know, where, wow, look at that great photo of that great child, you know, and everything else. Sometimes there's too much on Facebook, I have to say that. There's too many things on Facebook because you're going, I, don't, I did not need to see that picture, <laughs> you know. There are wonderful moments. But you know what? Christian families have a whole lot of routine. And you build routine month after month, year after year, eventually you have a follower. And eventually you have people that will have the same routines. That's hard, isn't it? That's hard. I've had two back surgeries. It was the second back surgery that forced me to begin to do workout and do some workouts. I used to always think I was a great jock, and but I, I was just a jock that was uh, um, not, not a jock anymore. I just went through my 30s that way, 40s that way. You know, I'd say, yeah, someday I could always recapture all the glory. I'm sure I could. Yeah, 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 yeah. We play all those mind games. There was no glory, but we think there was glory, and then we would like to, we could recapture just like. But boy, when I had that, it wasn't even the first. It took two back surgeries, and the second back surgery made me do my sit-ups, and made me work out on some deadlifts, and made me do some things. And I go, wow, and it was very, very, very hard. Let's pray. Lord, I, I just ask God that you'd help us uh, to believe uh, that we can be trained by you, that we can, of course, train our children, or they have to be habits in our life. 
Lord, I pray that we would embrace those daily routines getting in a car and going to church and coming home and just how life is with our kids and our marriage and our families. Lord, I pray that we just embrace daily routines. We live in a culture that's very bored with, with daily responsibilities. But that's how you build souls. That's how you train. Lord, we celebrate it when we see it with an athlete, Lord. I, I pray that we'd celebrate it in our own habits, our own daily routines. And I, I pray, Lord, we wouldn't just say, well, maybe later, or maybe after the Christmas season, or maybe next year when I get a little bit older, maybe when the kids get older, then we'll begin these things. Lord, following you is, is a simple matter. And you, and you get our attention with that word from Hebrews. You said, today, if you hear my voice, today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. Lord, it, I can harden my heart by just walking away from that command. I won't respond today, and therefore my heart gets hardened. Lord, I want to be faithful in your word. I want to be faithful in prayer. I want to give it to all the people around me. I believe that you just can crash through and speak to hearts if men are engaging with you every day. I pray that, Lord, in this room, for every person, every mom and dad, every adult that aspires to build a Christian marriage and Christian family, that they, that they and us and we and all of us together, Lord, would be people of the book. We'd read your word. Just as, as Bill Hybels learned there with Willow Creek, we need to read your word a lot. I pray that would be a growing habit right here at the firehouse. Thank you, Lord, for the examples of some of the brothers here and, and their friendship and how they are saying the pace. And I pray it would be just true with all of our churches and all of our people that if we're new to this whole business of following you, Lord, we'd be sincere and simple in one habit. We would be in your book. And we'd let you speak to us and guide us. That's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your time. If you have a, if you have a, um, an interest in our um, dad's website, I have a handout for you. And I'd be happy to give it to you. It would be helpful when you're going through your quiet time. You might see some things that would bless your heart. Sound good? You all stand up or do something here. <laughs>